Welcome to Zen Mind, a podcast featuring talks from Zanki Dillo Roshi, the guiding teacher at the Boulder Zen Center in Boulder, Colorado. Our weekend seminar is just around the corner, and it's not too late to join us. The seminar is titled An Appropriate Response, The Essence of the Buddhist Path, and it explores the challenge of manifesting an appropriate response moment by moment in the midst of ever-changing circumstances, both in our meditation practice and in our everyday lives. I've put a link in the show notes where you can learn more about it. We would love to see you there, and you're welcome to attend either online or in person. Today's talk was hosted at the Aspen Chapel in Aspen, Colorado, where Zanki Roshi was invited to speak on Buddhism as a part of their Spring Speaker series. If you'd like to check out the Aspen Chapel, I've put a link in the show notes for you. Now here's Zanki Roshi. Um, thank you for the kind introduction and invitation to um, talk about um, Buddhism here in this uh, chapel. I, that's what I intend to do today. Um, in a way, talk about the basics of Buddhist practice, and I think they're um, very applicable to anybody, really. So let's see what we can find out this morning. Um, like Nicholas said, um, some of you were here yesterday and we already started a conversation and some of you are new. I just want to uh, tune you a little bit to the question of what makes you uh, be on a spiritual path in the first place? What are you looking for? Some kind of, um, some kind of fulfillment? What kind of fulfillment are you looking for? <clears throat> and then on the other side of that uh, deep wish for um, feeling fully alive or um, a sense of completeness or maybe just a sense of togetherness you know, in yourself with others. Um, on the other side of that, what is, um, what's missing? Is there some kind of lack you're feeling? Are there goals you have that are not fulfilled? <clears throat> you know? Material goals of things you, things you'd like to have, or relational goals, oh, feel wanting to feel connected with other people, uh, not wanting to feel alone, um, emotional 
goals, <clears throat> a sense of wanting to feel good, happiness, you know, you're looking for happiness. So I'm just, really what this is about is to get a sense for um, why is this very moment that we are experiencing right now, why is there some cloud hanging over it that there is a sense of it's not really good enough or not complete? What are we really striving for? <clears throat> so in Buddhism, Zen is a school or a style of Buddhist practice. In Buddhism, um, this sense that something is missing, that something is not complete, that we have a subtle or not so subtle struggle in our life, is called dukkha, which is the Sanskrit word for it. And it's in English, it's commonly translated as suffering. Now, sometimes that, sometimes there, it's real suffering. And sometimes what I'm talking about is just a kind of subliminal sense of dis-ease or um, unsatisfactory, you know, the unsatisfactoriness of life is sometimes the phrase that's being used. <clears throat> that we want more. We want more from our life than we feel we have. And that more, we go about satisfying that desire for more in different ways. You know, we, some people try to fulfill that desire with, you know, material belongings. Some people try to fulfill it with um, the excitement of certain activities or, you know, sexual satisfaction or, you know, you just can, any way you want, you can try to pursue this, like there must be something that is, so that life can be fulfilling. <clears throat> It's a kind of subliminal or not so subliminal, very, you know, it can be very overt sense of struggle in our life. <clears throat> now, you know, I don't know, what if I told you that you already have everything that you want? <laughs> What if, what if uh, this struggle that we are experiencing is actually not a struggle that is objectively present in the world, but we are setting our life up to have a struggle? I mean, this is something I noticed in my life at some point. It's like, wow, I'm so in love with my problems. Man, I really, I really want to have a problem. You know, when you, when you have a problem, you really have something to, to talk about. And, uh, you also have something to do. 
Like you can, you know, work hard to solve your problem. <clears throat> Sometimes uh, it appears there are real problems in the world, right? It's like you may not have enough to eat or you get cold and you need shelter. And um, so those are real problems. But the problem, uh, in a way that, the problem that Buddhism talks about mostly is actually to the way we have a problem with our problems. Maybe it's just normal to have problems in life. <clears throat> Maybe it's just the way it is. If you, if you stop having a problem with your problems, then, um, you could shut up and just go solve them, you know, just quietly, just deal with them, like take care of the things that need to be taken care of. I don't mind, by the way. I have a two-year-old. He's just, I'm totally used to it. <laughs> I think there's a way that we... Um, Unconsciously, of course, you know, nobody's doing this really intentionally, but unconsciously we hold ourselves in a struggle so that we can set up our spiritual goal as a way to free, free ourselves from that struggle. You know, it's like, um, as one, uh, a mentor of mine likes to say, you know, we can, if you set up your life as a struggle, then you have to break free from that struggle to, to feel free. But, um, you know, we're already free. We don't have to go anywhere to be free because we, it's already the case. <clears throat> we're just not really noticing it uh, fully. Now, if you're, if you're, I, I want to make a case against happiness. Just to surprise you. <laughs> what if we just give it up? Like, give up, give up the idea of happiness altogether. Just give it up. It's just like, it just causes so much trouble. I mean, it's written into the American Constitution, you know, the pursuit of happiness. But, um, when you uh, try hard to be happy, then basically you are excluding from life all the aspects that you consider unhappy. You know, anxiety we talked about yesterday, sadness, um, you know, fear as opposed, you know, in a different way than anxiety. Uh, all all these negative emotions that we don't want to have, you know, annoyance. It's like this is all 
part of the unhappiness, and this is what we want to get away from. If you, if you set up a whole um, spectrum of experiences that you want to get away from in order to be happy, then your life is set up as a struggle. You see? So, I'm... <clears throat> Nicholas mentioned the title of my book, uh, The Path of Aliveness. It, like, I'm, I'm in the, into, the, into this place of happiness that people, you know, want. I like to insert the idea of unconditional aliveness, <clears throat> which we have right now. We're alive. And in this, in, in what I call aliveness, you can make room for everything that is part of the human experience. You can have room for happiness, and you can have room for sadness, and you can have room for annoyance and anxiety and so forth. It's, it's like, instead of trying to get away from that stuff, the posture would be to welcome it, to actually actively include it into your life. <clears throat> Somebody's raising their eyebrows. Really? <clears throat> I'm not up for that. Yeah. Well, it's you're not alone. It's the it is the human condition to not be up for that. <clears throat> okay, so it is helpful, in my uh, view, to really understand the structure of suffering, the structure of feeling not at ease. And um, what I'd like to use, I'm borrowing this from a um, Buddhist colleague, um, who came up with this mathematical formula, um, suffering equals pain times resistance. Okay, let's look at that for a moment. So the suffering, feeling not at ease, stressed, is the the product of two factors. It's unpleasant sensations. <clears throat> That's what pain is. It's sensations that are unpleasant. Unpleasant sensations is one factor, and the resistance to those sensations. <clears throat> Not wanting to have them. Does that make sense? If you, if, you, if you really treat it as a mathematical formula, you can see that if you don't have unpleasant sensations, you don't have suffering. And if you don't have any resistance to unpleasant sensations that you have, in other words, if you are okay with unpleasant sensations, you also don't have suffering. And one insight here, and this is very important, is that pain is not the same as suffering. You can have pain and not suffer. You just have to watch animals to see that. <clears throat> animals can be in pain and they don't suffer the way human suffers. humans suffer. Here's the thing. If you are in pain, it's still unpleasant. You don't make pain pleasant. No, pain is always unpleasant. That's by definition the case. It's just like 
we don't have to resist it. So this is why in Buddhist circles you have a phrase like, um, pain is inevitable. In other words, if you have a body, if you are a body, you will experience pain at one point in your life. But suffering is optional. <clears throat> okay. So from this formula, you can also see that there are two paths that open up to end suffering. One path is to remove pain, avoid unpleasant sensations, numb them with medication, and so forth. Um, addiction is usually related to wanting to avoid, numb, distract from unpleasant sensations. Things you don't want to feel, in other words. And um, that's one path. Remove the pain. <clears throat> and the other path is to let go of the resistance. And this is what Buddhism is about. Buddhism is about is a path of learning to let go of resistance. Now, if there's something we can reasonably do to alleviate pain, we do that. Fine. But the, the great insight of the Buddha is that we don't have control over pain and pleasure. That is just something that will come and go in our life because we are bodies. But what we do have control over is how much we resist and grasp for pain and pleasure. I mean, resist, resist pain and grasp for pleasure. <clears throat> and this is the other side of pain is pleasure. So another formula for suffering is that suffering equals pleasure times grasping. Now, that's surprising to some people because if you, if you experience pleasure, where is the suffering? Well, it's because everything is changeable, impermanent, that pleasure doesn't stay forever, and when it, when it leaves, when it recedes, when it, you know, disappears, then we want to hold on to it. That's what I'm calling grasping. <clears throat> Resistance and grasping are really two sides of the same coin because when you resist something, you are grasping for an alternative state. I don't want this, I want that instead, which is a form of grasping. And when you grasp at something, you are really, and you are, then you are resisting its disappearance. <clears throat> So these intensities, pain and pleasure, are inevitably part of our life. So how do we deal with it? This is really, this is the, this is the main question. That the whole tradition of Buddhism asks, and then you get different practices to uh, deal with that. So I want to um, 
offer you three practices. The first practice is, let's call it immediacy. As much as possible, find a way to to feel what you are feeling now. This means, you know, kind of get out of the habit of thinking about the future or the past and stay as much as you can with what is happening right now. Like, do it right now. Now is always now, you know, it's not like some abstract now. So, you know, if I, and this is the second practice, I call bodyfulness, they're, they're inseparable. Immediacy and bodyfulness are, um, are inseparable because the mind can live in the past and in the future, but the body can't. You understand? With the body, you can always only be in the present. (laughs) And what is happening in the present, with the body or through the body, is what feels most real to us. So we kind of come back to reality out of fantasy of, you know, something that happened in the past or something we want to happen in the future, we come to the present when we feel our bodies. And what is happening? And so I want to encourage you to really ask, what am I feeling? And you may want to answer that question with a word, like I'm feeling sudden tired, let's say. But underneath the word tired is what I call sensation. There are the sensations of tiredness. Do you understand? What are the sensations of tiredness and where do you feel them? Or if you feel sad, what are the sensations of sadness and where in your body do you feel those sensations? When you feel anxious, what are the sensations of anxiety that you feel, this is the practice of immediacy, that you feel right now and practice of bodyfulness? Where do you feel them in their body? Oh, and you can answer, I feel this anxiety, I feel it in my heart. And instead of calling it anxiety, maybe you can uh, have a practice of, I, I feel this jitteriness in my heart area. Or I feel this uh, you know maybe it maybe we don't have the words to describe it. I feel this churning in my gut. Okay, and the third practice would be I call kindness. And this practice of kindness opens up to a lot. So let me speak about this a little bit. Um, The way I 
try to experientially define kindness to get away from just being nice, you know. It's not like, oh, just being nice. Kindness, in my, in my uh, definition, is making space and adding warmth. So, if you want to have a practice of kindness with your bodily sensations, your, which you are now, you know, if you practice what I'm suggesting, instead of relating with your thoughts to the problem of anxiety, you are now making space for the sensations in your heart and adding a little bit of warmth to that. I'm making space, I'm allow, I'm giving permission, I am allowing myself to feel these feelings that I call anxiety or that I call sadness. It's okay to feel them. If you feel tired, you know, you can struggle against your tiredness. You can treat your tiredness as an opponent. Like, you, tiredness, shouldn't be here. I don't want to feel you. Or, if you practice kindness, you would make space for your tiredness, and you would say, and add a little bit of warmth, and say, oh, I feel kind of tired today. It's okay. Or if you um, feel anxiety, you can treat your, and you struggle against the anxiety, you will treat your anxiety as an opponent. You will feel like a division within yourself. You are divided against yourself. You are on one side and your anxiety is on the other side. As if it didn't belong, as if this anxiety didn't belong to you. But it's manifesting through your own body. It's just the sensitivity of your own body. You are treating your, the sensitivity of your own body as an enemy. <clears throat> this is very unkind. You are being unkind to yourself when you, when you act like that. So, but it's 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 a very you know it's the human tendency to do that so we need a practice to reverse this separation that we create the separation from ourselves this division against ourselves needs a practice where and i call this practice kindness to say oh you know i can i can give myself permission to feel this feeling Now, if you're in your head about it, it's very difficult to do because you would find arguments for not wanting to feel it and you're in a kind of debate with yourself. That's why the practice of immediacy and bodyfulness are so important because this only works if you actually drop down in your body and feel what you're actually feeling and then you make space for that. You say, all right, okay, this can be here. Sometimes what we feel can be so intense 
that it's difficult to be kind to it. It can be also a long-standing habit of really not wanting to feel something. There can be wounds that we have carried for a long time. So I'm not trivializing this at all. Um, This is the most intimate problem that each human being has. So sometimes, on our way to kindness, we may have to start with just tolerating it. (laughs) Just tolerating the anger that you feel towards someone. Now, I say anger, but what I like you, I'm, I'm going to repeat this, what I mean is, You tolerate the sensations of anger that you feel in your body. This heat, this, this, you know, this energy that wants to get aggressive. You tolerate it as an expression of your humanness. If you can't be kind to it yet, you just start tolerating it. Okay, this happens. The more we make this kind, the more we make this kind of effort, which, you know, it sounds like, I'm calling it an effort, but it's really a widening. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's becoming more spacious. So it's actually a letting go. It's not something, not something effortful like this. It's more like, a relaxation into the truth, into what is already the truth of your experience. Because if you have sensations like this that are intense, that's already happening. So you're just making space for what's already happening. You're just acknowledging what is the truth of your experience. If you get more practiced with this, then you can start to really welcome. You can just really welcome it. And this welcoming, welcoming means like saying deeply yes to the truth of your experience. Saying yes to yourself, actually. Because if you divide yourself against yourself, What you say is constantly no to certain aspects of yourself. It's a constant struggle. Like, I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't feel this. I'd, I should, this should be different. You know, the should, the should, the should. Okay. I make a case against happiness and I want to, want to make a case against shoulds. You know, it's not helpful. And the more, the more we say, you know, deeply yes to what our actual experience is, the more we can, this can start to flower into love. You can start to really love yourself 
Because if you only love like the sunny side of yourself, that's a pretty shallow kind of love. We can really only love ourselves deeply if we make space for all these difficult sensations too that flow through our body, bodies. So love actually for me becomes a kind of, it's the, it's the, hmm, I think it's difficult to practice love. It's easier or more accessible to practice kindness and let that kindness flower into love. This is uh, something in my Christian upbringing or past. I found this always uh, a little bit too um, steep a hill to climb. You know, to although I I love Jesus' teachings of, you know, loving your enemies, but um, it's like, you know, how do you really approach that? I think it becomes approachable through kindness. Just making space and adding a little bit of warmth. And from that, which is really accessible to most people, and from that, that can flower into love. So to uh, close, I I want to translate this uh, just a little bit into what that means for being in relationship with others. Sometimes our struggle looks like you are the problem. I don't want to look at anyone in specific. <laughs> you know, you know, you know who I mean. You know, you are the problem. That can be someone who cuts you off in traffic. That can be the person you're married to. It can be your child. You know, it can be your minister. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. So, why is there why is there something wrong with another person? I mean, really investigate that deeply. I think what's wrong with another person is that when this person is doing something, sometimes just showing up is enough, when this person is doing something, then I have certain sensations. But this is what's really happening on the level of your bodily experience, which I'm trying to point you to. So somebody is waving their arms, you know, uh, and this brings up certain sensations in me that are unpleasant. And because I don't like having those sensations, I'm saying to you, you know, could you please stop waving your arms? This is really terrible. Your behavior is terrible. You're waving your arms. What's What's the problem with waving your arms? The problem with waving your arms is, or anybody waving their arms, is that I don't like the feeling that arises in me when you wave your arms. So this is a a, a, a made-up example, but when you raise your voice, certain feelings arise in me that I don't like, so I need you to shut up. 
So what, where is the problem really? Is the problem with this other person or is the problem with the feelings that arise in me? Clearly, it's the feelings that arise in me that I have a problem with. I don't want to feel them. So the practice of kindness isn't so much about being kind to other people. It's about making space for the feelings that arise in me when I am in interaction with other people. I need to have room for the feelings that arise when I'm interacting with humanity. Does that make sense? Okay, so if I have space for the sensations that arise when you are waving your arms, I have space for the arms to be waved. They can be waved. It's not a problem, because I can tolerate the feelings that are arising in me. I can tolerate that the voice is getting raised, because I can tolerate the feelings that arise in me when the voice is getting raised. So I have room for you when I have room for the feelings that arise in me. That would be a new spin on love thy neighbor as thyself. Because if you can love the sensations that arise in you, then you can love uh, the person that you're interacting with. So, conceptually, I think I made sense of this, right? It's not too difficult to understand. What's, what, what we really need is a dedicated path. We need a dedicated path of making space for the sensations that arise in us moment to moment. You can, you can feel Okay, so maybe to conclude is like, in the place of happiness, what we can have is we can have an unconditional contentment, an unconditional contentment, and unconditional in the, in the sense that, that we are unconditionally okay with certain intensities arising in our bodies. We're giving ourselves permission to be these vulnerable beings that are constantly living through all kinds of sensations. And when you say, when you deeply say yes to that, this flowers into, into a willingness to be alive as just what you are. I'm seeing what you are instead of who you are, because this isn't about a life story. This is about a moment-to-moment practice of being radically open to have the experience that you're having. And this uh, brings, you know, this gets us into the direction of real contentment, you know. And maybe if we understand happiness as this kind of unconditional contentment, and, you know, I'm okay to invite the word happiness back. Thank you very much.